This is Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia, a congregation full of life and love with a legacy of outreach ministries. Everybody's invited to church in person Sunday at 10 a.m. and online at mountpleasantatl.org. And now, the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, Atlanta. Celebrating 114 years and how good God has been to you. I don't have much to tell you except to remind you the scripture says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It will not. The church will stand. The church will last. It's not to say we don't go through some things, but God is in control. God is in control. God bless you and God keep you is my prayer. Thank you. And so you're going to go higher. You're going to go great. And the Lord laid on this my heart, Acts the 8th chapter, verse 1 through 4. I left my church and I'm going to try to get back for baptism. But I don't believe in um, skirting what your assignment is. And I have enough people there that can handle what needs to be done. Acts 8, 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered, somebody say scattered, went everywhere preaching the word. Turn and look at somebody with your mask on and said, scattered to serve. Scattered to serve. Nobody will debate with me that the world is in trouble. I understand as a 70-year-old when I used to hear the old people say, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through and I don't feel at home in this world anymore. So many things going on, riding your car, people getting shot. Sister Bellamy, some days I just don't even want to cut on the news. Maynard Jackson in his lifetime said the news in Atlanta was if it bleeds, it leads. And what's so hurting is that young people just have no regard for life, no regard for property. And then, of course, I don't want to preach a political sermon, but I wish there was a president that was defeated would get off the news. While he was president, I would turn the news on and say, well, let me see what he's done today. But I also think there's a growing tide in this country that we're sick of it. We want to have a future. 
and not dwell on the past. Do y'all hear me? Have a future and quit dwelling on the past. The masses of people everywhere are hungry and thirsty not only for physical nourishment, but they are in need of spiritual nourishment. They may not know how to articulate they need, their need, but we can see it in their word, their walk, their talk, and the emptiness even in their eyes. Your eyes are the window of your soul. You just talk to people. There's an emptiness. There's a void. Let's be honest. Church ain't what it used to be. Turnip greens ain't what they used to be. Children ain't what they used to be. Neighborhoods are not like what they used to be. Just ain't nothing like it used to be. And they got money. They got $500,000 homes, big cars, doing well. But there is an emptiness in each and every one of them. And I declare to you that that empty spot can only be filled with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we could sing God is. But... Too many of us who have accepted Christ have remained too quiet when de devastating existences and experiences come our way. All of us have had trials and tribulations. My pastor, Pastor Jerry Black, said you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or you're going in a storm. Now, you can go out to East Punk and hear that preacher with the dome say, you ain't supposed to talk about your problems and confess. But you know, the Bible says in this world, you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The word is clear, Mount Pleasant. When the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say what? Many are talking, but they ain't saying nothing. Many are singing, but they ain't saying nothing. We need to declare and say so that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Can I get a witness? We have come to this day to worship, and we've had good church. Our presence is here. It indicates that we came wanting to hear a word from the Lord. We've come to sing. We've gathered to pray. We're here to praise the Lord. We're here to learn from God. But in a few hours, we will leave this place that we hold dear and precious for 114 years. But here is the question. Where will we go? What will be our witness? What will be our testimony? What did we learn here today that will cause us to leave this church house scattered to serve? It was their desire church in Jerusalem that God, Christ, told them that you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of earth. But the text says that when the tribulation came, they scattered except the leaders, except that is an indictment in most of our churches. The people are more mature than the leaders. The leaders, I love y'all, I ain't just talking about you. The leaders will come to a business meeting before they'll come to a prayer meeting. 
They did what God said. They went to Judea, Samaria. They left. But the Jerusalem wanted to, they, the disciples wanted to stay in Jerusalem and be comfortable. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? They obeyed. They were scattered after persecution. And if you open your Bible up, it says, and it was great persecution. Mm -hmm. The same formula works today that oftentimes we have a witness and testimony uh, until trouble comes in our lives. And then a lot of times we will be quiet about it. And won't testify God healed me of cancer. Won't testify that my child got out of jail. Won't testify that I was able as a single parent to pay off my house and send my children to school. You've got a testimony. Everybody in here has a testimony. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And these witnesses, according to Acts 1.8, it says, and ye shall be witnesses. You shall be, and after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. Now, the Holy Ghost ain't just for you to shout. It ain't for you just to speak in tongues. The Holy Ghost comes that you might be a witness, and the Greek word witness is a martus, that you would die for the sake of Christ. Am I preaching to anybody in here? Persecuted and willing to die. John Maxwell says that God is not impressed with our seating power, but he is impressed with our sending power. A lot of folk will fight for a seat but not for a witness to be scattered. We ought, to, we ought to be bothered when we ride down the street and see young men, able-bodied men, just standing around. We ought to be concerned when we look at the news and see folk fighting in school. In Nehemiah, he knew what it meant to be a leader during scattering times. Nehemiah kept on building with negative reports. Y'all know the story? Nehemiah kept on building with negative vision. Nehemiah kept on building with negative attitudes. Look at somebody and say, y'all know what a bad attitude is like? It's like bad breath. Everybody know you got it but you. Everybody know you got it but you. First thing is I hurry on, the ch church was scattered. When the church was scattered, they did not agonize. Somebody said they did not agonize. I don't see anything in the scripture where you heard them groaning and moaning. I didn't see anywhere in the scripture that they didn't believe that when trouble comes, that God is still in control. They kept on giving sacrificially to the poor. They kept on loving even though they were receiving hatred. They, they were jailed, even though some of them were killed, but they knew that God was in control. They knew that Jesus is the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way and the truth and the life. Somebody said they kept on praising in the midst of adversity. They kept on praying in the midst of calamity. They kept on praising in the midst of misfortune. Christians are just like that lady that went to the gym. She bought the gym outfit, proper tennis shoes, got a nice gym bag. She struts into the gym, ready to do her work. She picks up some weights. 
hits him two or three times, drop it and say, that's enough. Look at us, how we dressed up in here. We know how to clap. We know how to say amen. We don't know how to, but just a minute trouble comes, we want to run and start feeling like God has left us. But this church, when they were scattered, they did not agonize. And we as children of God ought not agonize because God has really performed some miracles in our lives. Black folk ain't always had what we got. I remember my first house my wife and I bought in 1976. It was a three-bedroom ranch. It was nice, Pastor. And my grandmother, who at that time was like 90, and when she came to the house, she said, this y'all's house? Y'all got to be written out rooms. I think about what we have and what God has blessed us with. Our grandparents, our great-grandparents would not even believe how God has blessed. Come on, and then we hold back on God. You ought to just thank God for his provision. The early church did not agonize. Say with me, agonize. When they were scattered, the early church did not criticize. Pointing to blame it, folks. Maybe you hadn't been so dogmatic. Maybe you hadn't made the members angry. Maybe you would have been more diplomatic. Come on, I've been Baptist all my life. Come on. It's real easy to start criticizing. And you know who they criticize first? The leaders. That's always easy to blame it on somebody else. We can always shift the game, blame and never take the time to look in the mirror of ourselves of introspection. Self-examination is critically important for a child of God. And in the Baptist tradition, there is built in at least every month that you ought to look at yourself. Because before you gather around the Lord's table, it says, let a man, woman, and do what? Examine. And I have lived with the Lord long enough and close enough to know if there's some error in your life and you pray to God, God will show it to you. And when you're too mean for God to show it to you, you're in a bad situation. Am I witnessing here? Won't God tell you you didn't need to cuss that woman out? Didn't God tell you you need to ask for forgiveness? Didn't God tell you? Self-examination. What have I played? What did I do to cause Mount Pleasant to be where it is today? We say in revivals, little cute sayings, you know, at the end, if every member was a member like me, what kind of church would this church be? You need to ask yourself that. If every member was like me, they did not criticize. It's so tragic that people will look at the splinter in your eye and ignore the plank in their own eye. Criticism will always cripple the church. Y'all know any critical folk? Don't look, but they might be sitting next to you. Critical people are so dogmatic. It's their way or the highway. Critical people are always angry that folk are against them. Folk don't like them. Critical folk pretend to be diplomatic, but they have their own set of rules and agendas. It's so sad that when I was growing up, when somebody would join the church, they used to say, 
will you govern by the rules and regulations of the church? And it always said yes, and I said to myself, I don't know what the rules and the regulations are because the rules and the regulations of the church change based on who asked to borrow the church chairs. I wish somebody pointed to me and said, now you preaching, Reverend. Criticism cripples the church. Criticism of pastors, criticism of the preachers, criticism of the deacons, criticism of the Sunday school, criticism of the ushers. Criticism is easy, and it will kill our witness. Negative criticism robs powers from the power of God. So the first thing, when they were scattered, they did not agonize. Secondly, they did not what? Criticize. Thirdly, they did not politicize. The early church didn't have any political agenda. As a matter of fact, they were hoping that Jesus Christ would come and turn it upside down, the Roman Empire. The early church had no political power, no evidence that they desired it. They didn't have any marches on Rome. They didn't have any rebellion against Rome. They did not have an, a political agenda. And we live in a day where these other folk that we probably don't vote for are pushing Christian nationalism. Come on, y'all talk to me. And Christian nationalism is done by white conservative Republicans. And when you start mixing the church with politics, you are in trouble. I used to think, Deacon... Uh, uh, that the church was not a political animal. Mm -hmm. I used to think that as Baptists, we don't have a, a bishop, we don't have a discipline, you know, we don't have a canon, we don't have a pope, but the Bible is our guide, so we say. But I've learned sometimes there's more politics in the church than in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Sister Bellamy, I went to Emory University, Candler School of Theology, which is a Methodist seminary, and they really tried to get me to become United Method. Even my friends now said, you would have been a bishop by now. You, why, you should have come on and you would have had a good retirement. They told me, I said, well, I don't want to be a Methodist because I don't want to be where a bishop can tell me to leave and go to this place and move this place. And they said, well, you go on. And what I've had to learn is to go back and apologize to those Methodists and let them know that at least their politics is out front in the Baptist churches in the back room on the parking lot and on the telephone. And that's more dangerous politics than being up front. Y'all better talk to me. They were not political. They were determined to change the world one person at a time. They were determined not through marches and rebellions. They trusted God. Now, let me say this. The church needs to be politically involved. Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, render unto God that which is God. But politics is not our main focus. I remember when I first came to Piney Grove and um, I had put little politicians come to the church or I was at forums and he must want to run for office. He, you know, he's trying to build up his own agenda. He's going to run for something. But see, I had Cameron Alexander, who was our mentor. That's when young preachers used to listen to old preachers. And he, saw, he told us to run for political office was a demotion. Now, I ain't talking about Warnock. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. He said it's a demotion. He said, what is a better calling than to be called from God? 
And he taught us that he said, you never saw uh, Elijah sitting at Ahab's table. The prophet got to live in such a way and be in such a way so that when the politicians get in trouble, they know to call the preacher. They know to call the church. Y'all better talk to me. And later on, my members finally realized the reason I want to know the sheriff's number so I can get their children out of jail. The reason I want to know the DeKalb County CEO so I can get them a job. Y'all better talk to me. You need to be politically connected, but don't get into politics. They did not have on a political agenda. John says, my kingdom is not of this world. What's the first thing there? They did not agonize. They did not criticize. They did not politicize. But what did they do? They evangelized. And that's all I came off from Glenwood to come over and tell y'all that despite all the things that have occurred the last five, ten years in this church, God is still calling you to a witness to be in this community, as you've said, to be a witness to the world and know that God sometimes scatters you so you can be a better servant. You better hear me. The text says, if you haven't closed your Bible, it says, and they went everywhere preaching the word. People are lost everywhere. We need to go there. People need Jesus everywhere. We need to go there. People uh, they, uh, need to be evangelized everywhere. You've got to go there. You've got to go. You've got to be like the young man that saw a beautiful young lady. Got enough nerve and got in the right position. He said, I'm going to ask her out. When he asked her out, she said, no. He was crushed for a moment. But what did he do? He picked his eyes up and started looking for another woman. That's what we've got to do as evangelists. You can't talk about I asked them one time and they won't come and I tried to witness to them. They won't hear. If they say no, there's somebody else that will say yes. Y'all better talk to me. You've got to point the way and tell them that we have found a great Savior, and he is sweet, I know. How y'all going to stay quiet when you know God has given you blessing after blessing? How in the world are you going to stay quiet when God has given you healings upon healings? How in the world are you going to be quiet when God has given you joy unspeakable and full of glory? Ah, how are you going to be quiet when God has given you opportunities that they shut doors in your face, but God opened up another door? Y'all better talk to me. Ah, you better not be quiet because God gives you victory upon victory. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. I may not have seen Goliath in the flesh, but I've defeated some Goliaths in my life. I was not there at the Red Sea, but God has opened up some channels for me. I may not have ever been in the fiery furnace, but I know God can deliver you in the midst of a fiery furnace. I might not have been in the lion's den, but I thank God that even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear. I need somebody to say, Pastor, thank you. Mount Pleasant has been scattered so we can keep on serving. We'll never give up. We'll never throw in the towel. We'll never say God has left us. 
Because if God is for us, he's more than the world against us. So I thank God for my mountains. I thank God for my valleys. I'm, yeah, I thank God um, for the storms he brought me through. Um, because if I never had a problem, um, how would I know God could solve them? Um, how would I know what faith um, in his word can do? Um, I wish I had 60 folk that would stand up and, and say, through it all, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to depend on his word. Somebody said, thank you, Lord. I'm in a through it all, but I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to witness. I'm going to tell men and women that I found a great savior, that I found Jesus. Does anybody know Jesus? I got to go, y'all. But when I start thinking about the goodness of Jesus, I can't put the microphone down because Jesus, he's been my rock. Jesus, he's been my strong tower. Jesus, he's been my company keeper. Jesus, he'll make a way out of no way. I need five folks to just jump up and say, Dr. Flippin, I know what you're talking about. There's something about the name Jesus. Something about the name Jesus. You've been listening to the Mount On The Go podcast. If you've been enjoying the word, please consider donating to the Mount Pleasant ministry. We have various ways that you can give to the ministry to allow us to become better in our pursuit of delivering God's word to you. You can give via PayPal at mtpleasantatl.org. You can give via Zale, info at mtpleasantatl.org. You can also give via Square and Givelify. For Givelify, just search for Mount Pleasant Baptist Church with our address, 17 Melvin Avenue, Southeast Atlanta, Georgia, and you'll be in the right place. In addition to all these options, you're always welcome and invited to grab an envelope and have cash or checks sent to the church, whose address is again, 17 Millen Avenue, Southeast Atlanta, Georgia. For questions, comments, and concerns, feel free to email us at info at mtpleasantatl.org. That's info at mtpleasantatl.org. You can also visit our website, www.mountpleasantatl.org, to follow us on YouTube and Facebook for the video version of the podcast. Our services are live every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are more than welcome to visit the church in person every Sunday at the same time. Thank you so much for listening.